Welcome to the Bridge Church Podcast. Our purpose statement at Bridge Church is to reach people where they are and help them grow. We hope today's message inspires you towards growth, and we pray it's life-changing, and we hope to see you soon. Praise the Lord. Let's, uh, Let's pray together. Father, we thank you. We love you, God. We worship you. We come into this space, God, honoring you for who you are and what you want to do in our midst. We ask you, Holy Spirit, to speak in ways that we cannot. We ask to prepare our hearts so that we would hear precisely what you have to say. Lord, we live in a world of disruption and distraction. We live in a world where people are wondering, what does God have to say to me? And so we gather in this place, not only to look into your word, but we gather in order to enjoy the presence of the Holy Spirit as he speaks to all of us. We all are wondering, what is it you have for me today? And so... Holy Spirit, be specific. Speak directly to our world. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Through the book of 1 Kings, we're talking about monarchs, kings that are raised up to lead. And one of the things we've called this series is elevated because God elevates these leaders in order to lead in the kingdom, kingdom of Israel. And as we talk about this issue of being elevated, we've looked into our own culture and we've talked about the pressure that we all feel to move quickly towards the dream that God has given us. We all have something that God has placed on our heart, a dream, a plan, a goal. And the problem isn't the dream, the plan, or the goal. The problem and the challenge that we have is we live in a fast-paced world where the phrases quick and growth always work together. And if you just take this e-course, if you just get this degree, if you just follow this person, and if you just have this plan, all of a sudden you'll find yourself moving into the destiny, purpose, and plan for your life. Quick growth, speed, top 40 under 40, top 30 under 30, quick growth speed. And the fundamental problem with that pressure and thinking is that the Bible does not move as fast as the world. All you have to do is look at people who had a clear, determined, destiny, dream, plan, and look at how long it took them to get to the promise. Joseph, in a pit, waits 13 years before he ends up becoming second in charge of Pharaoh. David, anointed as king as a teenager, waits 15 years before he actually becomes king. Abram, given this incredible promise of God of being a blessing to the nations, 25 years he waits in order to see it come to pass. Moses waits 40 years before he actually leads people 
And Jesus Christ himself has to wait 30 years before he operates in his gifting as the Christ. The question is, how do you wait on an often slow-moving God in a fast-paced world? How do you deal with the pressure to be next and now? How do you deal with the pressure to be big and quick? How do you deal with that pressure? And it is a word that we're going to see um, demonstrated in the book of 1 Kings by Solomon. And it's a word that we often don't think about in our culture. And, And how do you wait on God? While everything's moving fast, when you don't necessarily moving, see him moving as quick as you want, the word is honor. You honor God for who he is when you don't see him moving as quick as you'd like. It's interesting. Positional honor is a lost art in our culture. And quite simply, we don't have to honor positions because we can get everything we want on our own now. Uh, There was a time when I was growing up way in the yesteryear called the 80s, as my kids like to call it, the 1900s. (laughs) And if I wanted physical money, I would have to walk into a bank, have a conversation with this person called a bank teller, And sometimes we'd have a whole conversation so I could get money. Now I don't have to do that. I have an ATM. I don't have to deal with that person. When I wanted books, I'd have to go to the library, but I'd have to deal with the librarian if I wanted to get that one book that was way off in the corner, if I wanted to figure that out. I had to talk to someone. Now we got Amazon, and we just click and drag, and we all of a sudden we get what we want. There was really a time when we felt like teachers had all the wisdom and insight. But I don't need a teacher when I have Google. I can get all the information they have and more. And so because of the fact that we don't need teachers, we don't need librarians, we don't need bank tellers, we don't necessarily have to acknowledge someone's humanity in order to get access to what we want. In, in, in reality, what was happening was we connected value to the librarian because they had the books. We connected value to the bank teller because they had the money. We connected value to the teacher because they had the wisdom. And the minute we had to take out the middleman, we started, we started devaluing the humanity for access, and we saw a culture of sameness. I can do what you do. I can get what you get. And so instead of a culture of honor, we have a culture of sameness where we operate with everyone having the same access to everything. So I really don't have to see distinction. I really don't have to see people as different than me because I can do what they do. Interestingly enough, Jesus is with the disciples and they are asking, yo, we notice how you pray And things just happen when you pray. And we'd like to pray like you do. And notice what Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 9. Before he does the Lord's Prayer, which many of you have heard, he says this. He says, pray then like this. And then he says, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And if you notice there, before, if if you've, ever read that whole prayer, you know there's a point where it gets to daily bread, 
right? And daily bread is a principle of asking for your daily needs, for the things you want. But interestingly enough, this prayer style is prioritized. And he says, pray like this. The first thing you need to do is acknowledge who you're talking to. That he's in heaven, that he's holy. And, and, and what he's trying to get at is there is a chance that as you move through this world, you'll operate in a culture of sameness and you'll forget who you're talking to. So when you start to pray first, no, 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 before, because what we tend to do is we pray like this, daily bread, 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 thanks. And what he says is before we get into your needs, before we get into the access that you want, think about who you're talking to. When you were growing up, there was a point where you were hanging out with your friends. You were laughing and joking with your friends. You were chilling with your friends. And there was a certain demeanor that you laughed and joked. There were certain ways that you talked. And then you came home and you talked the same way to your mama that you do to your friends. And your mother had to help you understand. I'm not one of your Little friends, I, 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 don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't know. I don't know what you've been doing. I don't know. I don't know what they do at school. But I, I, I'm not one of your little friends. And what she's trying to do is, you've been operating out there and talking out there. But when you come into here, you don't just get access to the refrigerator without acknowledging me, right? <laughs> You have to acknowledge me. I know you live in a world of sameness, but this house is a world of honor. And so as we look at, if you really want to experience the elevation of God, honor him when you don't see his hand moving. Because he's not defined by his gifts. He is worthy to be praised. And we acknowledge him for who he is. Solomon, in the book of 1 Kings, he ha- he's now basking in all of the riches and the beauty and the glory of what God has done. David has died. And Solomon is now operating with a united kingdom, meaning that there were two factions the kingdom had become, Israel and Judah. And now they have come and they are united. David is now in First Chronicles. He begins to say that he wants to build the Lord a house to honor him. And yet Solomon, he comes now and he hears from God in, in, in Second Chronicles that he would be the one to fulfill that desire of David's that he wanted to build him a house larger than the tabernacle. And the tabernacle was effectively like a tent where God's presence would be. And Solomon says, I want to honor God for all that he's done for my father and all that he's done for me. If you were to look at the wealth that Solomon has amassed, it would be over in our day over $14 billion dollars. When you look in the Proverbs, you're looking at the wisdom of 
Solomon. Solomon asked and prayed for wisdom, and God gave him wisdom in abundance. God gave him wealth in abundance. And so Solomon decides, I want to build you a house, Lord, to honor you for all that you've done for me, because I want you to know this was from you. And so he decides, all my wisdom, all my wealth, I want to respond back to you in honor. And so we're going to look in 1 Kings 5, and we're going to jump into 8. 1 Kings chapter 5, look here, verse 3 of 1 Kings chapter 5. It says, you know that David, my father, could not build a house for the name of the Lord, his God, because of the warfare with which his enemies surrounded him until the Lord put them under the soles of his feet. Now, so notice he's aware. He's saying, look, my father wanted to build you a house. He couldn't do it. He was fighting battles all the time. Verse four, but now the Lord my God has given me rest on every side. There is neither adversary nor misfortune. And so I intend to build a house for the name of my Lord, or the name, the name of the Lord, my God. So notice he says, David was dealing with warfare on every side. I'm not. And the reason why I am experiencing peace and prosperity is solely because of you, not my military strategy, not my insight. I am the beneficiary of the goodness of the Lord. And what he does is he says, I'm now going to acknowledge your goodness by building you a house. Now, Solomon, we're going to get into Solomon later in this book and some of the mistakes and the failures of his own life. But I just want to pause and acknowledge that what you're seeing here is him giving back to God because he believes everything he has actually came from him, the Lord. If everything that I have actually comes from the Lord, then that which I have is actually a stewardship, that it's not actually mine in the first place. So the peace I'm experiencing is actually borrowed peace from God. And any misfortune that I would have, I need to look to him in order to create peace in my life. This is indicative of, you know, one of the principles that we always try to talk about even in our membership class is giving. And we talk about giving unto God financially. But understand, we really, you know, we get lost in the tithing conversation. And people are like, well, how much, how much of my money does God want? <laughs> and we treat it like taxes. But the real principle of giving is actually honor, not tithing. We want to honor God with all our wealth, not some of our wealth, because our, our resources are just one principle of honor. You can tithe and still not be aligned to God. And so what it's, what it's acknowledging is God is not asking something from you. God is actually acknowledging this was actually from me. This is a reminder to you that it was mine in the first place. You know, coming up here, is Father's Day, the, the day, the forgotten holiday. <laughs> All ties will be sold out at Target, right? 
Say my kids want to get me something for Father's Day. Say my children want to get me something for Father's Day. They will come to me and say, hey, I want to get you something for Father's Day. Now think about that. They need my money to get me something for Father's Day. Think about that. They need me to bless me. They can't bless me without me. So them giving me something for Father's Day isn't indicative of me being, oh, I, can't, I, wa- I wonder what they're going to get me. It's my money. So I'm not wondering what they'll get me from a monetary sense or how big the gift is because it was my money in the first place. I just, do you acknowledge who I am in your life? That's what Father's Day is about. And when you give back to God, the question is, do you acknowledge the depth, the width, the height of my love and all that I have done for you? Are you honoring God with your wealth, with your life? Do you honor him with your body, with your breath? Because every breath you have has been rented from the living God. That your body has been given to you by the living God. That your time has been given to you by the living God. And so we exercise, we move, and all of our strategies must come back to asking, am I honoring God with all that I have? Because all that I have was given from God. He's the bank teller. He's the teacher. He's the the one I have to acknowledge in order to get access to what I want. And so therefore... This principle of understanding that honoring God with all that I have, because all that I have actually came from God, gives you a higher principle. That elevation comes from God. It does not come from bosses, teachers, lawyers. It does not come from networking. It does not come from resumes. It doesn't come from, if I just take this course. It doesn't come from, oh, if I just meet this person. It does not come from anything human. Elevation comes from God. And if you do not keep your heart fixed on all that you have actually came from him, then you will forget when you don't have something, you will go to a secondary means and presume I can get it from somewhere else. You don't understand. Let me say that again. If you don't recognize that all that you currently have came from him, then when you don't have something, you're going to look at secondary means and be like, well, how do I get this next thing? Look at how you got the last thing. What you had came from the Lord. So what you will have must come from the Lord. That's why principle-wise, it's important to always determine your heart to honor God with all that you have. And honoring him is acknowledging, I got all this from you. All that I have has come from you. And so notice now in in, uh, chapter 6, verse 11, notice what uh, happens to Solomon. The word comes to him in chapter 6. It says, now the word of the Lord came to Solomon concerning this house that you were building. Now I want you to see this. The word of the Lord came to Solomon concerning the house. So so the Lord says, I want to talk to you about this tabernacle, this, this incredible facility that you're building. And it was dynamic. And he says, concerning this house you are building, if you will walk in my statutes, and obey my rules and keep all my commandments and walk in them, 
Then I will establish my word with you, which I spoke to David, your father, and I will dwell among the children of Israel and will not forsake my people Israel. So Solomon built the house and finished it. I just want to make a quick note about what's happening here. This is a repeat of what happened in chapter 2. It's actually the same phrasing. God is talking about, if you walk in my ways, acknowledge me, and operate in my statutes, you will not lack a man on the throne. And the Lord, the Lord repeats to Solomon what was said to David in order for him to understand it's about my word. But I just want you to understand what is happening here. The text says, the Lord says, concerning this house you are building, concerning this house you are building, right? And the next few verses, he mentions nothing about the house. You know, this is not like Noah, where he says, I wanted this many cubits and this long. He doesn't talk about, he doesn't give him any distinct or detailed direction about the house. He says, I want to talk to you about the house, and then doesn't talk about the house. He says, let me talk to you about the house. Okay, let me talk to you about your walk. Oh, Lord, I want to honor you. By, okay, that's, thank you. Let's talk about your walk. And he says, look, it's as, it's as if God is saying, thank you for the house. Appreciate it. But if you just keep walking in my ways, that's actually going to establish you, not the size of your gifts. Not the depth of how much you try to acknowledge me. Because if you honor God and it doesn't result in obedience, you are just doing spiritual performance. And this is what Jesus says. Remember Matthew 15, he repeats what it says in the Old Testament. It says, this people honor me with their lips, but what? Their hearts are far from me. In vain they worship me. And so what the Lord says in Matthew, and essentially what he's getting at here is, you can give me the biggest gift and the biggest tithe, and you can give me all your money, and you can acknowledge me, and every time you get an award, you can say you're blessed, and you can do all those things. But the, at the end of the day, honor without obedience is really a performance for men, not an acknowledgement of me. And so what God desires is a people who would authentically have a heart for God. What will cause you to be elevated? What will cause you to flourish in every season? Honor. It is honoring the Lord your God. It is fighting to, to worship when you have a broken heart. It is determining in your heart that I am going to seek the Lord my God no matter what when the dream that I have is broken and rattled and cracked and I hold it up to him and it begins to roll out my hands and I still say this broken dream still came from you and I honor you and no matter where I am in the trajectory of my story, I'll still stop and pause and acknowledge you authentically from my heart. I don't need you to do something today to acknowledge what you did yesterday. I don't need you. I don't need to ask, what have you done for me lately? I'm, I'm caught up in what you did yesterday and the day before. And I acknowledge you in my money, in my time, in my life. I will not let my current season define my worship. I refuse to do that. Because how good has he been? It really, that's the question. How good has he been? How great 
has he been? Because honor is about the worth that I presume you are. And because we live in a culture of sameness and a culture of what have you done for me lately, oftentimes the worth of God is designated by what he's done in the current season you're in. And you got to look back in the word because God elevates people he first brings down. The suffering always comes before the glory. There's always a question of when. When? Ain't nobody didn't say when. Abraham was like, when? Everybody is asking when. How do you presume you will not ask when? But don't let your when become larger than your worship. Your question of timing, your question of waiting, don't let that become larger than your worship. You purpose in your heart, I will honor God for who he is. That will cause elevation when you honor acknowledge God for all that he's done through every season. And so 1 Kings 7 goes through this temple. The temple is billions of dollars, incredibly inspiring, awe-inspiring even. The, the, the temple is, that he builds is actually just a more impressive-looking tabernacle And it's got the Holy of Holies, and it's got the showbread, and it's got all these different aspects of the temple. And the thing you have to understand is this was all about Solomon saying, I want to give you a more luxurious-looking space to be honored by. The essence of it was Solomon saying, I want you to know how much you mean to me and how much Israel, how much Israel wants to honor you. And so when you look here in 1 Kings 8, 22, 23, he begins to dedicate the temple to God. And he says, Then Solomon stood before the altar of the Lord in the presence of all the assembly of Israel and spread out his hands towards heaven and said, Lord God of Israel, there is no God like you in heaven, above, or on earth beneath, keeping covenant, showing steadfast love to your servants. You walk before we, uh, servants who walk before you with all their heart. Then he says in verse 24, you have kept your servant David, my father, what you declared to him. You have kept what you declared to him. You spoke with your mouth and with your hand have fulfilled it this day. And then in verse 25, now therefore, O Lord God of Israel, keep your servant David, my father, what you have promised him, saying, you shall not lack a man to sit before me on the throne of Israel. If only your sons pay close attention to their way, to walk before me as you have walked, to walk before, walk before me as you have walked before me. Notice what he says early in verse 23. He says, you are a covenant-keeping God. In short, he says, you are a promise keeper. And then when he goes into detail, he says, you show steadfast love to those who walk before you. Then he says, I want to remind you, you, you kept your promise to my father David. And then he says, 
Then he literally repeats back to God what was said in 1 Kings chapter 2. What was said to him? He says, he repeats back to him what was specifically said. You shall not lack a man to sit on the throne in verse 25. And verse 26, he says this, and this is what I want to land on as we get ready to close. Look in verse 26. Solomon says, O God of Israel, let your word be confirmed. Solomon quotes back to God what was said to him. One of the highest honors of God is when you give back to him, when you acknowledge him. But one of the highest honors above all that is when you stand on the promises of God. When you simply say, you said it, I believe it. Here I am. I don't see it. I don't see it. But you said it. And since you said it, I'll wait till I see it. I'm standing on the promises of God. Solomon repeats back to God the very words that were spoken to him. He said, you did it for my daddy. You'll do it for me. You said it to me. You'll say it again. He is trusting in the promises of God. We can really become more confident in God when we literally quote God back to God. Because it begins to determine in your heart, this is what you said. We will never hold God accountable because he is not a man that he should lie. But what we do is we condition our hearts to look at the promises of God and to begin to believe on those promises. Have you ever been in a season where his word is all you had to stand on? If you have not, then you will one day be in that space. And there will come a point where all you have is what he has said. And since he said it, you will be tested on whether you will stand on simply just his words. Solomon is repeating back to him. I built you all. I did all this, Lord. Now, now keep me in power. Now, I just want you to understand before I talk about this last point, Solomon's problem is he thought the house would keep him in power, not his walk. And Solomon began to lose his walk because he said to himself, look at all I did for you, Lord. So now I presume this relationship is actually transactional and you'll look at this big old house and you'll keep me in this leadership. And the reality was his leadership faltered because he kept his eye on other things other than the Lord. 
And he looked at how much he sacrificed. And that's what some of you are tempted by as well. Y'all be like, look, I've been, I've been obedient, okay? I'm not, I'm not like one of them Christians. I'm, one of, I'm a Christian Christian, okay? I, I love the Lord. And so since I love you so much, and I've sacrificed so much, and I've done so much, and haven't you seen me? In, it's raining, Lord, and I came anyhow. And so don't you see all this obedience? I'm, I'm obedient, obedient. Don't you see this obedience up in this piece? So I just need you to acknowledge... And, and, uh, and, and maturity says, I will acknowledge what you've said more than what I've done for you. I won't be distracted by my sacrifice for you. I will be quite attentive to what you've said of me. And so you stand on his word. The Bible says, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. Do you know that's a promise? He says, if you start confessing, if you would actually repeat this back to the Lord, when you feel broken and down, you say, Lord, I, I'm a mess. But you, you said, if I confess my sins, you're faithful and just and you will purify me, all that. You, and you say it back to him. He's like, I don't, look, I think this is a scandal. I'm a mess, you know, I, I, sh I don't deserve this, but this is what you said, you know, and you repeat it back to him. You said this. And so when you feel you are down in sin, you repeat back the promises of God. And so you stand on the promises of God, not your own righteousness. When you are depressed and you feel alone and you feel discouraged, and you feel like no one's there, the, the, you, this is what he said. This is what he said. I didn't say this. 2 Corinthians 1. Blessed be the God and Father, our Lord Jesus, the Father of mercies, the God of all comfort. This is what he says. Verse 4. Who comforts us in our affliction so that we might be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we were comforted with by God. You say you will comfort me in all affliction when I am down and depressed and alone. I'm, ask, I'm repeating back to you the very thing you said. I'm standing on your promises. I'm afflicted right now. I'm alone right now. I'm confused right now. I say back to you what you said to me. I stand on that. And Lord, I have some dreams. And I have great plans. And I can't shake them. They're on my mind. And I'm wondering. And I'm waiting. But I want to honor you by telling you what I read about you. You said, Psalm 37, delight yourself in the Lord. And he will give you the desires of your heart. Commit your ways to the Lord. Trust in him and he will act. He will bring forth your righteousness as the light and your justice as the new, new day. You said, if I delight myself in you, God. Did I read that right? You'll give me the desires of my heart. You said that. You say, if I commit my ways to you. So I'm going to stand on your word. And God is not bothered when you repeat back to him what he said. He's honored. Would you stand with me? Oh, let's just have a moment where we honor God with the very thing that you might be wondering and doubting and questioning. I wonder if there's a promise of God.
Father, in the name of Jesus, we honor you. We adore you, God. Never let me forget who I'm talking to. Never let me forget who made me who I am. I'm here because of you. I'm standing on your promises. I'm here because of you. And I'm standing on your promises. Where I am came from you. And where I go will be because of your promises. And I will not be distracted by speed. I will not be distracted by quickness. I won't be distracted by pace. I'm standing on your promises. And I honor you with my lips. And I honor you with my life. And so tonight, this morning, would you just take where you're at and honor the living God in the name of Jesus? We just take wherever you're at and honor him in the mighty name of Jesus. We hope today's message was encouraging for you. We'd also love to hear how God used this message to speak to you. We hear from people all across the country about what God is doing through our podcast, and we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at info at bridgechurchnyc.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle for both of those social media outlets is at bridgechurchnyc. Our website is bridgechurchnyc.com. If you're in the New York City area, we have services at 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays at 98 Fifth Avenue in Brooklyn, New York, right next to the Barclay Center. We are praying for you and we hope to see you soon.